Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 8. We're going to be beginning in verse 16, it looks like, uh, as we ended off last week. And we are really looking at the apostasy of the nation of Israel. If you remember originally, there was 12 tribes. Um, and Solomon was on the throne. Wisest king that ever lived. It was David's son. And he walked away from God. And when God pronounced his punishment, he said, I won't do it in your lifetime, but I will do it after you die. And when his son Rehoboam come to the throne, there was a great split in the nation of Israel. And Jeroboam caused 10 of the tribes, pretty much 11 of the tribes, to leave. They set up golden calves in two different places because he was worried that the people who worship God would want to go back to Jerusalem, which is where the temple of God was at that David had set up. And they'd want to go back there. So he set up this false system with golden calves. And, you know, we've seen the golden calves before in Exodus when Moses was on the mount getting the Ten Commandments. Aaron and the people, they, poured, they said they put gold in the fire and out popped this calf, this cow. But we see it again, two golden calves that they would worship. And, and Jeroboam said, there's your gods that brought you up out of, of Egypt. And so what you have is the separation of, of what became known as the northern tribes and the southern tribes. The northern tribes, when you're reading the Bible, is typically called Israel. And it was probably 11, 11 and a half tribes, uh, or excuse me, 10, 10 and a half tribes, because many believe that about half the tribe of Benjamin stayed with Judah, which is called the southern tribes. The southern is called Judah, so when you're reading scriptures and it says Judah, it's typically the southern tribes. When you're reading and it says uh, Israel, it's the northern tribes that were apostate, and they were worshiping golden calves, even though they knew that they were not supposed to. They're following their leaders, they're listening to them, and they're obeying them, even the, the priest. Well, after a while, those that are on Judah throne wants to make peace more specifically probably in the end of first uh, kings jehoshaphat decides he wants to make peace and he goes to war uh, with ahab which was the king that's on the throne in the northern kingdom and trying to make peace with him and ahab dies he gets killed in battle but my point really to this is that you see the apostate tribes worshiping these golden calves, disobeying God, and the southern tribe wants to be reunited and wants to be at peace with them. So they begin to compromise, and they go up, and they begin to worship with them. And we're seeing the same type of thing going on in the church today. There's, there's the true remnant. There's the true people that are following God's word. But there's this thing that I call culturanity. And it kind of does all these other things. And they're apostate. They really don't know the word of God. But they think they're saved. 
And then all of a sudden, we have all kinds of things going on the planet, like COVID, like battles, like things that are going on that we see today on the landscape. It's war, and it really shows where your heart's at. But we really see a lot of the church just saying, you just need to love. You need to love and love. Well, you don't just love because God's not just a God of love. God is love, but he's also a God of justice. And part of love is telling us the truth. Why did Jesus come and tell us the truth? Because he loved us. He didn't want us to to stay unrighteous, to stay lost. He wanted to redeem us. So he come down and told us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He came down and told us that he was the Savior. He came down and demonstrated his love so that we could receive that free gift if we would believe what he said, trust in what he said. You know, So we have the same thing going on today in the church where, where, where people are trying to shame us into or guilt us into believing and worshiping their golden calves, ignoring the truth of the word of God for the sake of peace for the sake of love, for the sake of being together in unity. And you cannot ignore the word of God. And we need to understand that these Old Testament scriptures are written as examples for us so that we would not repeat the sin or that follow the deception, but we would see the truth and follow truth. And God is always going to bless his truth. God is always going to bless his word. We should not be deceived and do the same thing that Israel did when they became apostate completely. And what did they do in the end of that? They ended up crucifying the Messiah. They ended up saying, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. Well, what should we do? We want Barabbas. And Barabbas, we knew, was an insurrectionist and a murderer. But in order to get rid of the Savior, we had to choose a murderer. And see, and that's what our sin nature will do to get rid of somebody and to follow the riotous crowd. And we choose Barabbas. And sadly, Barabbas means Bar is son of Abbas, the father. The true son of the father was crucified and we chose the murderer. And you and I, apart from the spirit of God, will always do that. Well, see, that was the apostate nature. That was the apostate people of God that have walked away and they would love, love, love it and they were all together and they missed the Messiah. Well listen, it's getting ready to happen again. The church is being deceived and, and now we all want to get together we want to be liberal we want to make sure that we're showing the love of God to people but we leave out the truth of God and what's going to happen? Once again, we're going to choose the Barabbas. We're going to choose the son of the father of all lies the Antichrist. If we don't get back to the word of God, the Antichrist is coming. We need a one world leader is what we're seeing on the face of the landscape of the world. We need somebody that will bring us all together underneath one leadership so we can all do the same thing to fight COVID. We can all do the same thing to fight poverty. We can do all do the same thing so we can love, love, love. Listen, we already have that leader. It's Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the church should not fall for a false government, a false leader. We should not fall for an antichrist. We should stay true to the word of God, no matter what the persecution is, no matter what the shaming is, no matter what they bring. Listen to me. It's very important that you become a student of the word and surrender to God. And don't just follow any spirit. Test the spirits. 
and see if they are from God. So when we closed our last lesson, we know that, now listen, let's just look at it. Let's look, let me just give you a little review. Remember, Elisha is the prophet, and the prophet always brought the word of God. That's where the word of God come from. Now today we read it, now today we're instructed in some teaching, and the spirit of God teaches us, but then the word of God wasn't written down, and it would come from the prophet who would hear it from God, and he would declare God's word. And if he said something wrong, they would kill him. See, the word of God is perfect. It's perfect. The word of God is perfect. It's alive. It's not dead. It's alive. And so then the prophet who was alive would share the word. And if the person obeyed it, they would be blessed. But if they disobeyed it, then they would reap what they sow. Well, watch this in verse 14. Because the king in Syria, Ben-Hadad, was sick. He sent 40 camel loads of supplies to try to buy his um, his healing from the prophet. And the prophet, who knew what God, God had already told him, that Haziel, the, the deliverer of those 40 camels, was going to be the next king of Syria. So he tells him, yes, he's going to recover, but I know what you're going to do to him. And then we see this. Look here, watch what happens. The word of God, from God, from the wrong messenger, and they don't recover, they die. Watch this, because this is what's going on with the false teachers, the spirit of Antichrist, and, and, and the wrong preachers preaching the word of God. People die. They don't recover. They're not restored to life like the Shumanite son uh, in, in 8.1. Watch this. Then Elisha, the word of God, came to his master, who said to him, excuse me, then Haziel departed from the word of God. Ooh, don't depart from the word of God. Don't from Elisha. And came to his master who said to him, What did the word of God say? What did Elisha say? What did the prophet say to you, Aziel? And he answered, He told me you would surely recover. You're going to recover from this sickness. But it happened on the next day that he took a thick cloth and dipped it in water, spread it over his face so that he died, and Haziel reigned in his place. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't let somebody deceive you that way. See, the word of God told him what was going to happen, and he went and delivered a message, you're going to recover. Then he killed him. Isn't that amazing? He's supposed to be the servant of the king. What message are you hearing from the word of God? Is it giving you life or is it killing you? Are you trusting the word of God and obeying it? And part of obeying it is confessing when you're not. It will restore you to life. Just like the Shumanite son when you obey. Now let's move on. Tonight's lesson, verse 16. And, and it's going to give us some genealogies and some or, or, or some, some kingship genealogies. And sometimes it can be a little bit distracting. So I'll try to explain and give you a running commentary of this. Watch now, because what I just talked about in the apostasy is what's going to be in the text. Now, on the fifth year of Joram, Joram means Jehovah is exalted, or Jehovah, if you're pronouncing it according to Hebrew. Joram, the son of Ahab, remember Ahab? Ahab was the king of the northern tribes, the, the apostate tribes. It means brother or father of his, or excuse me, brother or friend of his father. 
king of Israel, when it says Israel, it's the northern tribes, Jehoshaphat, having been king of Judah, Judah is southern tribes, Jehoshaphat means this, Jehovah has judged. He's already decided. Judah means praised or celebrated. And I'm just giving you some names. There's a lot of, notice the names all speak of God. Notice the names all point to God. That's amazing. The praise of God, the celebration of God. Uh, uh, Jehoram is going to be Jehovah is exalted just like the other one. Now there's two of them. Notice this. Jehovah, Jehoshaphat's son is named Jehoram also. But notice the spelling difference. They're both the same name, but there's a spelling difference in them. So you have a spelling difference, but you have uh, Jehoram on the northern kingdom and Jehoram in the southern kingdom. The son of Jehoshaphat began to reign as king of Judah. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. That makes him 40 when he died, number of judgment. And he walked, notice this, because the walk is always... Uh, Walk is always how you're living. Walk is always how you're living. Uh, and, and so now we're told how he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, northern tribes, the kings of Ahab, just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now notice, he's married in now. See, he's the southern tribe. It started with his dad going to war with. When his dad went to war with the northern tribes and trying to make peace, we see that this happened. And what happens? He's making peace. And his son ends up marrying the daughter of Ahab. And so when the son marries the daughter of Ahab, we now bring the entire apostate culture south. Now we bring it down into Judah because they're trying to be at peace with the apostate northern tribes. So when you see this, watch how he walked in the way, not with Jesus, not with God. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel that were apostate, just as the house of Ahab had done. And that's where it came from. Ahab and Jezebel, they were the ones that brought in uh, the Phoenician god Baal. Uh, and they began to worship them. And that's how it really started. Ahab married outside of Israel. He married a pagan goddess. Uh, and, and it brought it in to all of his lifestyle. And now it's spread like cancer into the southern tribe. All because Jehoshaphat and the southern tribe wants to be at peace with their brethren. And they're trying to make peace but not make peace according to God's word. They're not trying to make peace according to how God says to make peace. Now, how does God say to make peace with you and me? We are born sinners, Romans 3.23. We're all unrighteous. The only way to be at peace with God is to receive his offering of peace, which is his love that he commended toward us in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the only way to be at peace with God. You can't buy your way into the kingdom. You can't work your way into the kingdom. You can't find out some other way into the kingdom. The only way to be at peace with God is, one, perfectly keep the law. We can't. We've fallen short always. 
just to believe in the propitiation, just to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, just to believe that he was God's provision for the sin nature, and now you can be at peace. If you try to do anything else, you're going to end up lopsided, and you're going to miss salvation. Believing, trusting in God's provision, the blood of Jesus is the way to do it. We see the northern tribe apostate. The southern tribe is trying to bring them back. You cannot win people to the Lord. You cannot win people to the Lord unless you give them the truth of God's word to bring them to salvation. So what happens? Who are you married to? Listen, listen, Jehoshaphat, his dad, began this. And now Jehoram which means Jehovah is exalted. It means he's supposed to be exalting God, Jehovah. But what does he do? He marries the daughter of Ahab. He marries into the apostate culture. What are you married to? Because when you're married to the culture, when you're married to something else other than God, listen to me, when you're married to evil, what are you going to commit? You're going to commit evil. The Bible says don't even be friends with an angry man lest you become angry. But listen to me. Joram married a wicked woman and became wicked. Did evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice whose sight evil is done in. Notice who sees. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere keeping watch on the evil and the good. God sees everything. But listen to me. Who are you married to? You know, our scripture memory verse for next week is, If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Guess what? That's a wedding vow. That's a wedding ceremony. When you believe that it's two people believing the same set of facts at the same place and trusting that, then you become married to Christ when you believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. You become married. You become the bride of Christ. That's who you want to be married to. But so many Christians are continuing. They say, well, I said a prayer. Well, I believe that. But they're married to the devil still. They're married to the world. They're married to their job or their career. Something else is coming first that is dictating their life other than the word of God other than the truth of God, other than believing God for what he's doing. And so that comes first, and God doesn't take second place in anybody's life. He has to be the head. See, the husband is supposed to be the head, the, the one who would lead the family. And if we're married to Christ, if we are married to Christ, then he would lead our life. And how does he do it? He does it by the Holy Spirit. As we get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, he uses it to give us instruction, to give us leading, to give us knowledge of what he's doing and how to be a people that are his bride, how to be a people that are pulled out and called out and are actually worshiping and praising him and glorifying him through our lives. It's interesting that we're in the book of Peter, and I might share this Sunday too. We're in the book of Peter, and we are saved by the knowledge of who Jesus is. And then we grow and we're washed and cleansed by continuing to seek that knowledge, which is a word for science, by the way. 
But the Bible warns us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and you might have this verse memorized, but it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How much is all? You got a calculator? All your heart and lean not. Don't rest on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. He will direct your walk. He will lead you in the way you should go. Listen to me. Understanding. You know what the word is? Lean not on your own understanding. Don't be resting on what you think you know. Listen, the word means knowledge and it means wisdom. Don't lean on and rest on what you think you know. What does the next verse say? Six. Acknowledge him. In other words, look to his knowledge. Look to what he's saying. Look to the science he's giving you. Look to the instruction he's giving you that Jesus is Lord and that he raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Don't lean on your own earthly, central, demonic wisdom or knowledge. Look to God's knowledge. What is he telling us in the scriptures? And let him make your path straight. Listen, if you don't even comprehend, you don't even understand it, obey the word of God. And you can believe that he will honor it and bless your life. Listen to me. It begins with Jehoshaphat going up and going to battle with Ahab. But now he has begotten children who are married to an apostate northern people who are worshiping golden calves. Be careful. You cannot go and be at peace with people unless they are at peace with your God. You can offer them peace. That's what God has done when he demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now he offers us this free gift, but he will allow you to continue in your sin. He will allow you to continue in your sin nature. He will allow you to continue headlong into hell if you don't receive that gift. But if you say, yes, Lord, all the power of heaven, all the power of the blood, all the power of Jesus' resurrection will be there available for you to change your life, to set you free to follow God. Do not be married to an unholy, unrighteous kingdom. When you have the righteousness of God in a righteous kingdom and a righteous God who sent his son, you can be married and set free. What are you married to today? What are you married to today? Listen, if we don't learn to come and obey God's word, to come and learn God's word, and to come and hear God's voice, then we reap what we sow. And when you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. God's not mocked, believe me. Now let's keep going. We see now that Joram, uh, the, the king of Judah, the southern tribe, has married the daughter of the evil Ahab and Jezebel from the northern tribes. And now they're married together. So now they're all caught up in this apostasy together. But look what God says in verse 19. Yet, look at this mercy and grace. The Lord would not destroy Judah for the sake of his servant David, which means beloved, as he promised him to give him a light or a lamp to him 
and his sons forever. Forever. Look at 1 Kings 11, 36. This is where the promise is made at. He said, one will always sit on the throne. But in 1136, look what he said to David. He's speaking about Solomon. He said, but in 35, he said, but I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give it to you ten tribes. And to his son I will give one tribe that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. See that? Jerusalem. Still Jerusalem. That means teaching peace. That's what it means. To put his name there, which means his character, his nature, his authority, his will. We still tell time in the church today by what goes on in Israel. We are still looking at that clock. That is the clock that is ticking what's going on in Israel and Russia and China and Iran and, and they're in Syria. Ezekiel's 38 war is getting ready to happen. They're getting ready to attack the northern border of Israel. It makes no sense to pull out of Afghanistan. It does when you want to let evil reign and attack Israel. God is allowing it. But they will never defeat God's people again. They will never be removed from the land again. God will fight for them. God will fight for them. Listen, the Lord is not going to destroy Judah, which means praise or celebration, because of the sake of his servant David, who was a man after his own heart, as he promised him to give him a light or a lamp and his sons forever. Listen, down the corridors of time, Jesus come from this lineage. That's what it's speaking of. He's the light of the world. He's the light upon a hill. The light that comes into our heart and shines in our darkness and says, be married to me alone and to alone be under my authority. We are coming and receiving the grace of God and we're going to live for God and we need to tell people about what God has done for us and is doing for us and he's getting ready to come back and take the church home. And he says, well, I even find faith. Isn't that interesting? Because we all, if we don't go in the rapture, we're going to be looking at this false church system, this false prophet, this false religion, if we don't know the word of God, because the true church is going to be taken in the rapture before the wrath of God comes. Forever. What's forever mean? Ever and ever. Now look at 20. Watch what happens. Listen, again, I'll say it again. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. And if you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Watch what happens. Judah has walked away from God. But because of the grace of God, God because of his promise that he promised to David, he's not going to destroy him. But they are going to reap what they've sown. And they're sowing rebellion. They're trying to be at peace with Jehoshaphat. Or excuse me. They're trying to be at peace with the northern kingdoms without doing it God's way. Now watch what happens in 20. In his, in his days, Jehoram's days, Edom revolted against Judah's authority. Well, why? They're reaping what they sow. They're revolting against God's authority. And so the people under their authority begin to revolt against their authority. Listen. 
Don't be surprised. Listen to me, parents. Listen to me, bosses. When people are under you and they're revolting against your authority, ask yourself, am I revolting against God's authority? Is there something in my life where I'm disobeying God? Because God allows you to grow. And you can grow fruit. Listen to me. You reap what you sow. If you're going about teaching people that they don't have to come under authority, if you're going about teaching people they don't have to read their Bible, if you're going about teaching people lies and you're living a lie and you're not even living a Christian life, you're going about, don't be surprised when you don't start reaping those things because God is not mocked. Watch what happens here. Edom. Remember Edom? Esau is Edom. Remember Jacob? Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. And God said, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Because he knew the future that Esau would never obey him. And they were enemies. Esau was always attacking Israel. And David defeated them and put them under subjection back in um, 2 Samuel chapter 8. He conquered them. They were under subjection. They were being ruled over. All of Edom was. It's from Esau. But during this time when Judah is rejecting God's word, rejecting God's prophet and truth, rejecting what God would say to them and his authority over their life, then the people that were under the authority of Judah revolt against Judah. And they made a king over themselves. Listen, when you are rejecting God's authority, rejecting God's word, rejecting what Christ has done for you, and learning about that knowledge, what you do is you make a king over yourself that is not a true king. So they revolted against the authority, and then they created their own king, their own leader, their own religion over themselves. So what does Joram do? He says, hey, we can't have none of this. You're, you're underneath us because David defeated you. David went down to Zer. Zer means little. Is that what that means? Oh, small. Zer means small. And all his chariots with him. Now, horses and chariots are speaking of power. Chariots would be like a tank today. So he takes all his power down. Now notice he's doing it in his own strength, in his own power. He's not praying. He doesn't, he's not fighting for God. Then he rose by night in the dark and attacked the Edomites. Notice he hasn't prayed. Who had surrounded him. Look, the Edomites, when the rebellion begins, the Edomites are surrounding him. Evil is surrounding him. And the captains of the chariots and the troops fled to their tents. They were defeated by the Edomites. Listen. God's not going to destroy them because of the promise he made for David. But he will allow them to be defeated. He will allow them to, to have reap what they sow. That people will re reject their authority. Notice what's going on here. And then they fled to their tents because Edom was so strong. Well, how do I know that's true? Look at verse 22. Thus Edom has been revolt in revolt against Judah's authority to this day. So in other words, they defeated them. They couldn't get them to come back under their authority. And so it teaches 
the heart of the people that stayed away from God. If you repent and come back to God, he'll restore the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the eating locusts and the gnawing locusts had taken. But you have to repent. You have to forsake your sin. You need to come back. And then when you come back and begin to obey God and listen to God and do things the way that Christ, our Savior, has um, outlined and shows us through the Holy Spirit in the instruction of His Word and the knowledge of what He's doing, then God restores us. Notice what happened after that. What happened after that? Since Edom revolted and Edom was able to succeed and get away, what happens next? Then Libna revolted at the same time. Then another group of people, Libna, who had been defeated also, um, and was underneath Judah's, they said the same thing. They said, well, we're not going to be underneath your authority either. And things begin to collapse. Now, God's not going to let them be destroyed. God's going to keep them there. He's always going to have a remnant. And he's keeping them there only by his grace. Because he knows in the future his son Jesus is going to come through this tribe. But they're turning and they're following the apostate northern kingdoms. And, and they're beginning to practice that. And they're married to them. Instead of being married to God and listening to God and obeying God. And God allows it. Because they have a free will. And he will allow it in your life. But he doesn't want it for your life. He wants you to listen and turn and repent and cry out to him. So then it says in 23, now the rest of the acts of Joram. Now remember Joram. And all that he did. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Now, that's not talking about First and Second Chronicles. It's a separate book that we don't have writing of. So Joram rested with his fathers and was buried in his father, buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Again, while he was doing this, listen to me. He had a form of godliness, but he denied the power thereof because he named his son Ahaziah, which means Jehovah holds or possesses. Jehovah, Jah has seized. So watch them name their kids like they're really serving God, but they're really rebelling against God's authority. And we have that in the church today. And we was told that it would happen, that apostasy would come. There, there would be a form of godliness, but we would deny the power thereof. And we have people that they name their kids John and Matthew and Luke and they name them and they go to church every week but they are ignoring the power of God. They're ignoring the word of God and the truth of God and the salvation of God and they live ungodly lives out there out from underneath the authority of God and then they expect to reap the fruit of salvation and new life and eternity with God and it's an impossibility. Listen. You can tell a tree by its fruit. Epigonoskos, Jesus said. There's going to be evidence. Now listen, you can even be having fruit that looks good. I was talking about this today with my son. We were talking about how uh, um, you just have to abide in the vine and let God wash and cleanse you. When you're abiding in the vine, you're going to bear fruit. But when you're bearing fruit, John 15 tells us, he'll cut away sucker branches. 
That's things in your life that doesn't have any fruit on it, that's not going to bear any fruit. But what it does is it sucks away your life energy and keeps you from coming to Bible study, keeps you from going to church, keeps you from sharing your faith. It keeps you from living for God and bearing true fruit. Well, the same thing, like if you look at an apple tree and you go, wow, that's an apple tree because it's growing apples. But you know what? If you neglect them apples, you know what happens? Worms can eat into them. Death can eat into that fruit. But God wants our fruit to remain. He wants it to grow and be pleasing and others to see it. He doesn't want the death worm to get into those apples and render that fruit of no good purpose. Wake up, saint. Wake up, Christian, and quit revolting against God's authority. His authority is in his name, Jesus. It's in his character and his nature and his will. And he's given us this 66 books to look at, to understand, not our own understanding, not our own knowledge, not our own wisdom. His word to know so that we don't go try to make peace with evil apostate things and end up getting sucked down. It's akin to being unequally yoked or a Christian being married to an unbeliever. That unbeliever will pull you back into unbelief easier than you will get them saved. Now, it's not perfect. Sometimes you marry somebody that's an unbeliever, they do get saved. But most of the time, the unbeliever will suck you back into apostasy and away from God. It's easier if you wait upon God, trust in God, and marry somebody that already believes in God. And not just because they say they believe in God, but you want to see evidence, fruit. You want to epigenoskos, recognize that they are saints because they're following God. But in America, in our churches, in our homes, we don't want to wait. We have no patience. We just rush right into everything. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. But true lasting fruit takes time to grow. And you cannot be in revolt. You cannot be fighting God's authority in your life and think that that's going to happen. Verse 25. In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab. See, now, by knowing whose son it is, you know what that is. He's talking about Joram that's back up in 16 now, who is in the northern kingdoms. King of Israel, that's the northern tribes. Ahaziah, southern tribes, Judah, the son of Joram, king of Judah, began to reign. So they're kind of tying you into the timeline. Uh, uh, the king in, in northern kingdoms has been there 12 years um, when the southern kingdom uh, Ahaziah takes the throne Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned one year in Jerusalem ooh one year that's where they reigned that was in Jerusalem in Samaria they reigned from in the northern kingdom was their headquarters his mother's name was Athaliah, the grandmother of Omri, the king of Israel. Notice that. Did you notice that? See, because Joram, his dad, had married into the northern kingdoms, now there's a grandma that's evil 
from the northern kingdoms also. See all this influence sowing into the kings. He's going to make it one year. And because he's so evil, that's all he gets to reign. Watch 27. And he walked. How are you living? How are you walking today? Are you being led by the Spirit of God? The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. We have to be led by the Spirit of God, not by our own selfishness, not by what we want to do, not by my plans, not by my own understanding, but the Spirit of God leads us in the Word of God to see the knowledge of God and the instruction of God, the wisdom of God, so that we can fulfill the purposes of God so that others will come to salvation. This one, Ahaziah, Jah has seized, he took him after one year. He walked in the way of the house of Ahab. Evil, evil Ahab. What did he do? And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of the house of Ahab. Listen again, be careful who you're married to, what you're married to. We are supposed to be the bride of Christ, adorning ourselves for the wedding supper of the Lamb, making ourselves ready for the return of our groom to take us home. Are you going to be ashamed? Or are you going to be ready when he comes? Are you watching, waiting, and working? Or are you marrying yourself to the ways of the world, to evil? Or are you married to the way, the truth, and the life? There is strong evidence. When you're married to the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, there is strong evidence. You begin to change. You begin to grow. You begin to be adorned, and it comes from the inside out. It grows in your heart, and it comes out in what you say. It comes out in how you dress and how you act with others. It comes out in your walk. Who you're living for and who you're married to comes out in your walk. What way are you living today, saint? Now he went with Joram, that's 28. Now he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to war against Hazel, king of Syria, at Ramoth-Gilead. Remember we had Hazel. He killed his master, verse 15, up in chapter 8. Put a cloth wet, a sheet smothered him to death. He became king. And now, again, the northern tribe and the southern tribe, looking to be at peace, they joined together in Ahaziah and Joram, and they go to fight at Ramoth-Gilead against Haziel. We already know he's a ruthless dude. What happened, Greg? And the Syrians wounded Joram. Which Joram? Well, Joram of this Judah is dead. His son, right? This Joram goes back to Jezreel. That's where they ruled from, Jezreel and Samaria in the northern kingdom. He, what did he go back there for? He was trying to recover from his wounds. Really? Which the Syrians had inflicted on him. But wait a minute now. 
That's interesting, isn't it? He goes back, and he's got these wounds inflicted upon him. Are, do you have wounds that are inflicted upon you because of you rejecting the authority of God? And you're trying to recover from them, but you're not repenting? You're not turning back to God? You're still going to an evil city that's got golden calves and trying to recover from your wounds? But you're not trusting God and returning to Him. Where are you going with your wounds? He went back to Jezreel in the battle at Ramah. Ramah. These wounds were inflicted upon him when he fought against Haziel, king of Syria. And Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see him. So now the other king says, I better go down and see him again. They were at war together when he got injured. He must have went home. Now they regroup and he goes back down to see him, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. So the wounds are bad. The wounds are bad. But where's God at in your wounds? Where's God at in your sins? Where's God's authority at in your life? Are you in revolt? Are you rebelling against God's authority even though you call yourself a Christian? See, that's demonic faith. That's what the demons do. They have revolted. They've rebelled even though they know that Jesus is Lord and they have no capacity to return. You right now, while you have breath, have capacity to repent and return to God and allow Him to heal your wounds. I remember when I was in, in the world and we had a band, we wrote a song called Self-Inflicted Wounds That Never Heal. See, these wounds are self-inflicted because they're rejecting the will of God and the power of God, the authority of God, the salvation of God. And they're self-inflicted by the decisions that they make in their own understanding. And if they would just return to God, He would heal them. But they continue to return to the same dead haunts and the same dead places and the same apostasy, the same religion with no power because it's based in flesh. And we want to return to God and be healed. And he's given the free gift of God, which is eternal life in his son, Christ Jesus. Come to him today and repent Yes, repent and forsake your sin and live. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you're a loving God that is waiting for your prodigal sons to come home so you can run to us when we come to our senses and you can put the royal robes and the signet ring upon us and you can clothe us and have a banquet because a son was lost but now he's found. Help us to stop rejecting your authority. Lord, we know that one day every knee will bow to the praise of your glory. And we bow today. We ask for forgiveness of our sins. And we ask forgiveness of our waywardness. And Lord, we come to our senses and we cry out and ask you to restore us. Restore us to life. Thank you for making us new. We give you praise. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a hunger to obey and help us not to fear man, but to fear you. And may it produce righteousness in our life forever and ever. Amen.